the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Check out monorail.com, America's affordable investment app made for conservatives who want to keep their hard-earned money with companies that share their value. Download the Monorail app today. Join Monorail. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dennis Prager Show as we proceed into the month, into the middle of the month of February. The speed of the first two months of the year always dazzled me. Yesterday was the Super Bowl. And as I mentioned to my producer, it might be the first full football game I have watched in my adult life. And it was worth it. It was as exciting a sporting event as one could imagine. You had no idea who would win until virtually the very, very end. Not virtually, until very close to the end of the game. I have some thoughts on it. I'd like to ask Sean, because uh, you have seen it. Did you see the the, uh, Rihanna uh, halftime show? No, I took the dogs for a walk. You took the dogs for a walk? Well, that's very unhelpful. See, uh, the reason that I asked him if he watched it was I know that I am not capable of objectively assessing uh, the the halftime show. Uh, the only thing, uh, I, in other words, it's not my kind of music. In fact, I, I stopped after the first half of the halftime because it was, musically speaking, almost all rhythm rather than melody. And you need both, in my opinion, to constitute music. But it was received well. Yeah, okay, so that's uh, my question. But uh, on this issue, her her grabbing her crotch, uh, that I, I think it's irrelevant how one reacts to the music. And I, I, if you don't see the, the decline of a civilization when LeBron James uses the F word when he uh, stands in front of the... Los Angeles Stadium, because he he had broken the record for most points scored by an individual player, and just comes out with it as Eric Garcetti did when the Los Angeles Kings, the mayor of of Los Angeles, when the Los Angeles Kings won the Stanley Cup, the championship in hockey. I don't know who that is, so I, I can't come. The tight end for the Chiefs. Well, unfortunately. One is not shocked. The The players themselves go from sophisticated to unsophisticated in, a, in almost a linear fashion. So I, I, I don't, I'm sorry about that. Uh, I'm, I am sorry about that. I always think of kids. I also think of the civilization for adults. But I think of kids and watching these adult figures use uh, the the most uh, uh, gross of our uh, expletives publicly, and then watch 
these major stars engage in lewd gestures. I am a libertarian, generally speaking, on sexual issues. But public is a very different thing. I mean, people having intercourse publicly and people having it privately, I think you would have to acknowledge is a very, very different thing. I don't know what was gained by her gestures, and the the whole the whole choreography was obviously people were in sync, but didn't make much sense other than having sexual overtones the entire time. Having said that, there was something uh, very uh, beautiful in seeing the players hug one another. It's probably the last place, if or almost the only place, where race doesn't matter. And you know why race doesn't matter in sports? Because there are universal standards. Unlike the, the university or the United, the United Airlines pilots, people are not chosen based on race or sex. The United Airlines pilots issue is a very scary one, and of course not reported in the mainstream press, but uh, reported, there's no denying, that they have reserved half the places in their flight school for women and people of color. So the United Airlines has announced that we will not choose pilots based on capability. Not that women and minorities cannot be capable. It's just that that's not the way in which they are making their choice. So there was, it was, it's always moving to see the, the love of the players for one another, irrespective of color. I might add that they did sing uh, both the national anthem and America the Beautiful. Were you, Sean, aware of that fact, that in the pregame? That was what was televised. They did not televise the Black National Anthem playing. Is is that correct? Because I think I saw it from the very beginning. But they did did apparently play it. And uh, if you think that it's, uh, if, if you say, as some do, we have one national anthem in this nation, it's one nation under God, indivisible, and that's part of the pledge, you are called a racist. Like, you don't care about the history of black suffering. So there's no debate allowed on the issue, which there's no debate allowed on any issue that the left takes a position on. If you differ with them, uh, you are are demeaned as a human being. There is no arguing of issues. So they apparently they did play it, but it was not uh, done publicly. Uh, the public was America the Beautiful and the National Anthem. And, and, and they showed one player during the National Anthem, I don't know which team he was on, with tears streaming down his face. That was the coach of the Eagles? Oh, really? So he's a youngish guy. Because he looked like a player. 
Well, that that's interesting. I thought that was uh, that was. They did televise the Black National Anthem. So how did I miss it? I thought it was even before everything that I mentioned. Oh, okay, that's very interesting. I'd like to see. I'd like to see that. Uh, I'd like to see a, a recording of that. I mean, the there are so many groups that could have this. Of course, blacks had a unique suffering in the United States. Well, American Indians, uh, I think one could say as well. By the way, talking about uh, Indians or Native Americans or Native peoples, I'm reading a book now by a professor of evolutionary biology at Harvard University. And he's explaining the development of civilization. And I, I suspect, given his position, I suspect he's a, a, an atheist or at least an agnostic. I suspect his politics are left of center. But he's describing uh, life in the, the pre-Columbian, that is Columbus world, in, in parts of the Western Hemisphere like Peru, and slave trading was simply part of their culture. It was a given that you, uh, you captured people and sold them into slavery. Uh, the uh, ignorance that the left has enforced, there was no discussion of Arab-slash-Muslim slavery, uh, which was the most intense, to, to the best of my knowledge, in Africa. Uh, there's no mention of that. It is considered a... Basically, the average American student is probably convinced that it was virtually unique to white people. Whites were not enslaved. Blacks did not enslave one another. Indians or Native Americans did not enslave. None, none of that. Or non, non-Western cultures, non, non-Christian, i.e. Islamic this is it's not discussed it's enforced ignorance doesn't make it right but it does put it in perspective perspective is a conservative word the moment you ask for perspective you have departed from the world of the left i will have an amazing amazing report by the great heather mcdonald later in the show on on what is being done at the metropolitan museum of art in new york city so that was that was some of the, some of the thoughts on uh, yesterday's game. One eight Prager seven seven six. There's a lot of talk about the Great Reset and digital currencies. The U.S. government has been floating the idea of a digital dollar for quite some time, opening up the door to the government controlling your bank account, or worse yet, freezing your money. They did that in Canada, remember? This is Dennis Prager for AmFed, Coin, and Bullion, and for my friend Nick Grovich. Now more than ever in this woke world, it's important to own tangible assets like gold and silver. Owning physical gold and silver gives you control over your wealth. They're proven, stable commodities that have held their value over time. 
beyond the overarching reach of government. And it's so important you do business with a trustworthy and transparent company like AmFed Coin and Bullion. AmFed's owner, Nick, and his experienced team will always provide you with honest, sound advice. No pressure sales. Moving a portion of your wealth into precious metals is a prudent decision. Call AmFed Coin and Bullion. 800-221-7694. AmericanFederal.com. AmericanFederal.com. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. I just watched, the, indeed, the black, so-called Black National Anthem. It was played, I, I guess, not I guess, it was presumably earlier than the America the Beautiful and the Star Spangled Banner. And it was, so I missed it, and I thought I had tuned in early, but I obviously didn't. I didn't tune in from the beginning. not sure what the the accomplishment is other than we're really not one nation mm-hmm. isn't that the statement if there's a national national anthem for a one group in america then it's not one nation that's the that's the statement you wish to make of course the left wants to make that because the left s- seeks to destroy the nation as we have known it everything about the West and America it loathes that has been traditional in the arts in sports and everything it's a war against the Judeo-Christian civilization in particular that's what they really loathe but there is a God who tells you what to do is really really annoying talking about that there was an interesting ad about Jesus on behalf of Jesus in the Super Bowl, did, do you know what? who put that out? It said at the end, and I, I don't think I ever heard of the group. They spent a lot of money, obviously. It's a fortune of money to advertise on the Super Bowl. And it showed a, a lot of scenes from uh, America, of Americans hating each other, and then spoke about uh, Jesus and how... Jesus loved those, I'm paraphrasing, whom we detest, and that you should love your enemy. And I, uh, I found that uh, moving, actually. It's a, it's a very interesting question about loving one's enemy. Does that mean that you don't fight the enemy of your civilization? It's something worthy. I'm going to have a discussion. Well, I am. I'm having a discussion with Eric Metaxas in my annual Ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile event. And I'm going to, I'm going to, if I remember, I'm going to ask him that question. I assume that Jesus meant it on a personal level because people all have people in their lives and they don't like. And working through that in the micros of is generally a very good thing and a noble thing to pursue. But when your enemy is a mass murdering ideology like communism or Nazism, what does that mean then to love them? And I've been told, well, you you wish the best for them. But what does the best mean? The the best is that they die. 
let we have to be honest. I'm not even arguing. I'm, I actually said I thought the commercial was moving, but it is it is a worthy question uh, that one could pose. If I had unlimited funds, I'd have taken out an ad. I wonder if they would have allowed it though. Something to the effect of "America is one country." Let's keep it that way, or. How about this? The worst ideas come from the most secular institution. Take God seriously. <laughs> How's that? Uh, well, so it is. Yes, uh, Jane in Minneapolis notes, at least Rihanna had clothes on, unlike J-Lo last year. I didn't catch last year's Super Bowl. I, I didn't recall that. Is that true, uh, Sean? J-Lo didn't have uh, much to wear last year? He doesn't know. Well, you were walking your dog then, too? Was this your annual walk the dog during halftime? It's a good time to take the dog. I happen to agree with you. I do you know, when I tell young people what we had in my generation, <laughs> what we had during halftime, they sort of marvel. Marching bands. So, uh, I wonder what year shows began. By the way, what do they do in halftime in the non-Super Bowl? A regular game, the, you know, I don't know. The Vikings versus the Packers. What do they do during uh, halftime on a regular game? One of you has to know. Come on, Sean, speak up. You don't walk your dog every halftime. What's done at a regular halftime? Is it is it some sort of show? Yeah, they have all kinds of stuff to entertain the people. It, it's it's a enter, a, entertainment. Yeah, imagine if they had marching bands again. I would love to know how people would react. Would they would they start throwing objects onto the field? <laughs> uh, well, yes, exactly what uh, John, who's well older than me in Florida, has to say. Stark contrast to halftime shows in the past. Patriotic. I I want I have a very interesting dilemma in my brain. Who is it emotionally tougher on at this time with what the left is doing to the United States of America? Is it the young people who never knew America as we older people knew it? Or is it we older people who knew it in its prime and now see it deteriorate? For whom is it tougher? I don't know the answer. I just, I do pose it as a question. It's sort of, huh? It's two totally different things. They're not comparable. They're not comparable, you say. It's interesting. Because the young people don't, it's no past, no future. They right, the young people so have no past, no future, and, right? And, and future older is... people recognize that there was a, a, right. a different and better... Oh, future. you're right. So uh, you're, you're basically saying what I said, but you don't think it's... it's the, the you can't... The reaction can't be compared. Yeah, all right, fair enough. I, I don't know. Anyway, 
it's sort of, I'm not comparing them. I'm just saying for whom is it more devastating to be told your past stinks and your future is death because of, because of global warming or to have seen America in its heyday as free and optimistic and building in every year a better place and now seeing what's happening. I, I think the question is valid, and but I don't know if there's an answer. We continue in a moment. 1-8 Prager 776. I'm Dennis Prager. Folks, as you know, I have a theory about good people. I'll put bad people aside. And that is that they are divided into three groups. Those who fight, those who help the fighters, and those who do nothing. And I have a group that fights that I've been talking to you about. And that is Consumer Research. Consumers Research. Consumersresearch.org. The executive director is Will Hild. And I welcome you to the Dennis Prager Show. Okay, let's see here. I'm having problem putting him on. Are you on there? I think I'm with you. Oh, very good. Thank you. By the way, where are you located? Well, I'm unfortunately in Bethesda, Maryland, which is sort of like the Berkeley, California of Maryland. Well, Maryland is like the California of the East Coast. <laughs> correct, correct. I'm, yeah, so... I'm really in the belly of the beast. Why? <laughs> well, long story, but my wife is an OBGYN, and so we have to live near the hospital. Okay, that answered that question. How old is, the, is your organization, Consumers Research? We date all the way back to 1929. We are the nation's oldest consumer protection organization. Oh, that's impressive. And now your work is to fight groups like BlackRock. Is that correct? Correct, correct. We are pushing back on their misuse of investment dollars. Give an example. Well, BlackRock manages trillions of dollars of U.S. pensions, state, local, federal level. So imagine your firefighters, your cops, your teachers, right? States have this money. They have to hand it to somebody to manage it. They give it to BlackRock, for example. BlackRock is the largest asset manager in the world. BlackRock takes that money, and it's not their money, it's your money, and and your state's money, and they show up at at corporate boardrooms, and they push a far-left progressive political agenda. I'll give you a concrete example. They push net zero targets. That means net carbon neutral by 2050, which is a great way to increase the cost of every good and service in the country. So from the grocery store to the gas pump, prices are going up because of BlackRock. Do they involve themselves in the cultural issues as well? Are they woke? They do. They're very woke. In fact, Larry Fink, BlackRock's CEO, has stated openly that he is pushing for every corporate board to have two women on it. Not out of merit but simply because he believes in the same kind of racial and sex-based bean counting that CRT and DEI have become so famous for. So he's pushing using your investment dollars and your state's investment dollars for these DEI-style, these CRT-style targets. All right, so I understand why teachers' unions, who are as radical an organization as exists in America, 
truly America and child-hating organization, and I say that literally. Uh, I stake my reputation on that belief. If hating children is defined by how good or bad you do for children, teachers' unions hate children. I don't believe the average teacher hates a child, but the teachers' uh, unions are hurting children, like in, in their belief in lockdowns and in robbing them of innocence. So I understand why teachers' unions would use BlackRock or the others as asset managers. Why would police unions? Well, it's usually not under their control. Uh, These are pension funds that are run by the states where the cops uh, are employed. So, for example, you know, Texas, Florida, South Carolina, all of these states have pension funds. These are government pension funds. Um, and so they, the board may be appointed by the governor. It may be partially elected. All right. So the appointed. question is about yeah. conservative states. I want to. I want to. I want you to stay on. I, I can't. Sure I can't think of more important work. And gentlemen, I have no control over the phone line on my, on whatever I'm using. My friends, a food shortage could be coming. I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's true. So survival food is important. Create your own stockpile of the best-selling For Patriots Survival Food Kits. It's not ordinary food. We're talking good for 25 years super survival food. Hand-packed right in a family-owned facility in the USA, giving jobs to over 200 Americans. The kits are compact, sturdy, water-resistant, and stack easily. They have different delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners. You can make these meals in less than 20 minutes. Just add boiling water, simmer, and serve. Right now, you can go to 4Patriots, that's the number 4, 4Patriots.com, use the code Prager to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store. You get their famous year-long guarantee after your order, and free shipping on orders over $97. Just go to 4Patriots.com to get 10% off with the code Prager for the number 4Patriots.com, code Prager. Hi everybody, I'm Dennis Prager group that is fighting the asset managers who are corrupting the country like BlackRock is Consumers Research. I didn't realize how old they were. They were 100 years old. The executive director is Will Hild, and he is my uh, my guest. So I was, I was trying to understand why groups like the police, for example, tend not to be radical leftists like the teachers' unions, why would they put their money in an asset manager like BlackRock? And you were saying, well, that's controlled by the states, not by the police. Is that, was that accurate? Correct. Correct. It's the states that have really allowed these large asset managers to start misusing the funds that have been given to them in trust. So how do you explain, if indeed this is happening in Florida, how do you explain that? Well, Florida is a perfect example of a state that's really started to take action. The governor, much like his pushback against CRT and DEI and all this other rogues gallery of of, uh, far-left nonsense, has pushed back. He's ordered an audit of the pension fund's assets and how they're being used. He's pulled back the ability for the asset managers to vote the shares of the state in these board elections and shareholder proposal votes. 
And what we really need is, is all the states to take the kind of action that Governor DeSantis is and to maybe even go farther. You know, Texas passed a law to that said, listen, if you're going to use your portfolio to attack a, a key industry of our state, like fossil fuels, for example, in Texas, then we're simply not going to do business with you as a state anymore. And we're going to fire you uh, from managing our, our, our pension fund assets. And a number of states, there's probably about 20 states this year that are considering passing similar legislation. We think that's a great thing and, and needs to continue. Is BlackRock the biggest but not alone? It is the biggest but not alone. That's a great way to put it. Uh, BlackRock manages about $8.5 trillion of, of assets. But also you've got companies like Vanguard and State Street. Together, these are colloquially known on Wall Street as the big three. And unfortunately, they have adopted a far-left progressive agenda that they are trying to push in the corporate boardroom. And so they also need to be cut off from managing certainly red state pension funds, really all state pension funds, but, but certainly states for whom their, their values are completely contradictory to the residents of that state. Who runs? So Larry Fink runs... Uh, BlackRock, who runs uh, Vanguard and who runs State Street? Uh, well, uh, uh, Vanguard is run by a gentleman by, name, by the name of Mortimer Buckley, uh, which is uh, quite a name. And, uh, and the CEO of Street is a guy named Ronald O'Hanley. And it is really terrifying uh, when you think about the amount of power that just those three gentlemen have when they get in a room together. And they're very explicit about this. Uh, Larry Fink talks about throwing his weight around, forcing behaviors. That's a direct quote uh, of, from an interview he gave in 2017, uh, forcing racial quotas onto, onto boards. And they join organizations. I'm sure your, your, your listeners are familiar with the Davos crowd, the World Economic Forum, of which Larry Fink is a prominent member. They join organizations and they talk about using they, all their entire asset portfolio to push you know, World Economic Forum targets, things like net zero, things like pushing far left social policy, uh, what they call reproductive rights, which, of course, is, is a code word for a pro-choice agenda, um, racial and sex quotas on boards. So really what their strategy here is, these are things that they could never get done through the ballot box. The Paris Accords, when America was considering adopting a net zero target, couldn't even make it through a democratically held Senate. So instead, they are using our investment dollars to bypass democracy, bypass the ballot box, and do it in the corporate boardroom. So uh, is this vile trio aware of any pushback, or they're oblivious? Well, I, I believe Larry is certainly aware. We launched a multi-million dollar ongoing ad campaign against him and, and, and BlackRock in 2021 to educate consumers on the ways in which he was hurting their pocketbooks, and, and betraying their interests. And since then, he, BlackRock and himself have had to launch. If you, go on, if you watch Fox News right now, you will see they are, BlackRock is running ads in response to our ads, and they have been for about the last nine months. So they are spending millions, of, tens of millions of dollars um, pushing, trying, to, trying to fool the country into thinking that they are a benign, uh, normal company. Uh, when in reality they have a, a nefarious plot. All right, so so I, I would like people to go to your website, consumersresearch.org, correct? Correct. And Consumers what happens when, when they go there? What, what happens? 
Well, they can learn more about what BlackRock's doing. They can help support our work, and they can find out how they can get in contact with their state representatives. Like I said, there are bills moving through. Just this week, there is a bill moving through Indiana that's being considered uh, that is a, a pushback on BlackRock. It would divest the company's pension, uh, the, the state's pension funds, excuse me, $16 billion right now of Indiana's pension fund is being used to push uh, these far-left progressive policies. So if they and don't so go to BlackRock, State Street, or Vanguard, are there decent asset managers? Absolutely. That is one of the lies that the big three are trying to tell, is that there aren't any alternatives, and that's just not true. There are plenty of major Wall Street players that don't engage in this kind of activity. That's okay. Engage engage in it less, or there are companies like, you know, Second Vote and Strive Financial that have explicitly sworn off this kind of stuff and have entered the market, so there is an alternative BlackRock. So don't let them lie to you. There are alternatives. Well, you'll find out all of this, folks, if you go to consumersresearch.org. Will, it is a joy to have you on and to promote your group, your fighters. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Amazing, isn't it? The amount of damage teachers' unions, asset managers, children's hospitals, <laughs> museums, you name the institution. What the left has done. Well, I'm fighting, and so should you. So it's interesting, there was another ad, I missed it apparently, I thought I saw them all, but I, I didn't, At the, on the Super Bowl on behalf of Jesus. One I, the one I saw I thought was touching, as I said, about loving your enemies, and it showed you know, pretty graphic pictures of Americans hating each other, and then spoke about that. But there was another one, He Gets Us is the group I never knew of their existence prior to yesterday. And the ad was showing children doing adorable things. And the tagline is, Jesus wants us to act like children. Is that correct? Did I get that right? That was the tagline? No? Oh, Jesus did not ask us to act like adults. It's the same thing, but it's, but it's different words. I want to get the words accurate. So it's, it's an interesting thing because there are certainly New Testament statements to that effect. I think, I think it, um, it's, an in, it's interesting because my belief is that the Bible wants us to grow up. Uh, and look, uh, you know my belief that if Christianity dies, so does the West. So I could, couldn't be more clear on that. And uh, I have zero romanticization of children. Children are among the meanest creatures on earth. I'm not talking about three-year-olds. They don't have the capacity to be mean. But, but once they get into elementary school, I mean, the whole bullying issue is an example. I was a counselor at a camp. I, I saw how kids treat each other. The whole process of life is making children into good adults because they don't start out that way. The will of man's 
The will of man's heart is towards evil from his youth. That's, a, that's God speaking in Genesis. I would like, let's try to get somebody on from He Gets Us. It would be interesting to talk about this, the child issue with them. I love talking religion. How you make, how you make a child into a, a, a good adult is the single most important question any society can ask. Essentially, there's no close second. Because we don't start off all that wonderful. Well, anyway, I'm glad they did the ads in any event. By the way, the there were no I I didn't. Did you notice any woke ads? The, the ads were were remarkably politics free. Thank God for that. All right, you're listening to the Dennis Prager Show. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free offer with promo code Prager. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listeners square to the buy one, get one free offer. Enter promo code Prager or call 800-761-6302 to get your MyPillow 2.0 now. I hope you had a good weekend. I'm Dennis Prager. I spoke about the Super Bowl, about the ads, about the Black National Anthem, about the nice parts, about the Jesus ad. If you missed the first hour, you can hear any hour you want, even commercial-free at PragerTopia.com. PragerTopia.com. Why don't you put it in your phone or in your computer now and then check it out later because you'll forget, because <laughs> that's what happens to me. <laughs> I forget. One of the most important articles of the recent past was written by Heather McDonald, who I can only characterize as a national treasure. The woman is entirely committed to truth and as a consequence, understands the enemy that the left constitutes. Since truth, truth is everything when you think about it. I have, I wrote for UCLA magazine many years ago. Lies are the root of evil, and I have really come to appreciate that now more and more. The suppression of what the left doesn't want heard is an indication, as I have noted. I do a fireside chat each week. I've done 
270 of them. I don't miss a week. I didn't miss during the lockdowns even. And I get questions mostly from young people around the world who watch it. One young person asked, how could he tell what's true and what's not true? And I said, the best guideline is the side that wants to suppress dissent is probably lying. That's, that is the best way to understand that the left lies about America, about sexual identity, about everything that it differs from the right in. So Heather McDonald is, is committed to truth, and she her knowledge of the arts, music and art, is astonishing. I know a lot about music, so I can appreciate how much she knows about music, but she knows an equal amount about the graphic and visual arts. So I have come to understand something. The people entrusted with our art institutions uh, have no love of art. It's odd that they would have risen to the position of curator of museums whose art they consider vile. One of the most prestigious museums in the world is the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. And Heather McDonald is writing about what is going on there. So I read to you because it is so important. The Metropolitan Museum of Art has mounted an exhibit whose curatorial philosophy, were it widely adopted, would spell the end of art and of art museums, which is exactly what is happening under the guidance of museum curators. To, th- to think that they are so destructive of art is, I I guess, surprising to most people, but it is shocking. The art press greeted the show ecstatically as a sign of the Met's new direction. It's called Fictions of Emancipation, and it is on view through March 5th. It's built around an 1873 sculpture by the brilliant French sculptor Jean-Baptiste Carpeau. The marble bust is titled, Why Born Enslaved? It portrays a black woman bound by a rope, looking over her left shoulder with a piercing expression of defiance, incredulity, and contempt. Of course, there's a picture of it that accompanies the article. Why Born Enslaved has been understood since its creation as an anti-slavery work, which of course it is. The Met, however, knows better, now that it has been reborn as an anti-racist institution. Fictions of Emancipation, that's the name of their new exhibit, argues that the Carpo bust furthers White's ongoing, quote, dominance over black people's bodies in the words of the exhibit's curators. You hear that? So an anti-slavery sculpture by a French sculptor is now portrayed as anti-black. 
And Carpo was not the only artist to give an aesthetic gloss to racial oppression. That's what they say at the that's what they say at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. While seeming to oppose it, fiction of emanci- fictions of emancipation get the title fictions portrays abolitionist art more widely as a fig leaf for Western colonialism and white supremacy. Men give birth, and anti-slavery art is pro-slavery. Right? It is the world of the lie. It is Orwellian in the extreme. The 2014 show displayed the Mets terracotta version of Why Born Enslaved. Even in 2014, it shows you how immediate the, the destruction of everything noble in America is. The museum could still discuss the work in sympathetic terms. The bust's early success was due to the, quote, beauty of the woman's expression and the powerful emotion to which it gives rise. That was what the museum wrote in 2014 about this. Art historian Laure de Melgerie, or Melgerie wrote in a catalog essay that the bust, quote, partook of the prolonged enthusiasm generated by the abolition of slavery in France in 1848 and in the United States in 1865. That was written in 2014, nine years ago, at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, when they had a terracotta version of this bust. In 2019, the Met bought the marble version of the sculpture, uh, Why Born Enslaved, the acquisition announcement revealed how much had changed in the museum's philosophy. The announcement warned future viewers about patriarchy and white privilege. That was five years later. Quote from the Metropolitan Museum. It is critical to reckon with the power of imbalance enacted when a white male artist transposes the body of a black woman Though the statue had heretofore been interpreted as, quote, an expression of Carpeau's stance against slavery, the museum was no longer taken in. In fact, the bust was a disturbing fantasy. Quote, this is the way they describe it, a disturbing fantasy of aestheticized bondage, making bondage into aesthetic beauty. They call it the transformation of human carnage into erotically charged drama. The new guard at the Met, Sarah Lawrence, Elise Nelson, and director Max Holine, was just warming up. Notice uh, two of the three are women. There will be another woman involved. I I don't know why women are disproportionately wrecking the West. I don't know why. 
but it is it is a fact. Look at the teachers' unions. It gets worse. An anti-slavery sculpture is really racist. When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now and type in Dennis Prager under podcast when you sign up. Spelled BAMBEE.com, Bambi.com. Type in Dennis Prager. Tell you I lie. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. The destruction of the society by crackpots. Sick, sick people run our elite institutions. Like the Metropolitan Museum of Art, people who have contempt for art run, run it. Like people who have contempt for education run education. People who have contempt for children are running our schools. These are very painful truths, and therefore people resist confronting them. How much more damage would schools have to have done to kids before people would have awakened to the truth of what I just said as an example? Heather McDonald is writing about the Metropolitan Museum of Art featuring a major sculpture by a French sculptor, which was an anti-slavery piece. It shows a black woman sculpted with a fierce look with a rope around her. The museum belatedly engaged an, an associate professor of writing at Columbia University, Wendy Walters, to serve as co-curator with Nelson, Elise Nelson. So it's now we have Sarah Lawrence, Elise Nelson, and Wendy Walters, and one man ruining the Metropolitan Museum of Art, destroying it, literally destroying it. Walter's closest involvement with an art museum at that point had been limited to an obsession with white paint. White paint irritates Walters, especially on the walls of educational spaces, so she is writing a book on its, quote, social and cultural implications, as she put it in an interview. Remember, Norway did the same thing. White paint is racist. Again, I point this out, people forget it, so I'm saying it again. The obsession with nonsense is a result of how little racism there really is. So they must invent racism, like this French sculpture from the 1870s, like white paint. 
These are people who are, I was going to say whores, because they, they get paid a lot of money to destroy, but, and I mean this very literally, it's an insult to prostitutes who do much less damage than the curators of the Metropolitan Museum of Art to society. The first of Carpeau's many sins, Carpeau is the French sculpture, who was anti-slavery, is to have portrayed the inhumanity of slavery. It turns out that if a white artist depicts a black slave, he participates in subjugation himself. Such a depiction suggests, according to the Met, that slavery is the primordial, primordial condition of blacks. Elise Nelson and Wendy Walters explain in their catalog introduction, quote, the enduring visual culture of abolition and emancipation posits that black persons must first have been enslaved in order to be free. They're not only vile, they're stupid. Yes, you have to be an enslaved person in order to attain freedom. That is the way it works. The Israelites were freed because they were in bondage. Had they not been in bondage, they wouldn't have been freed. That's deep. This is really deep stuff. A wall label at the exhibit notes disapprovingly that Carpeau's interpretation of, quote, the injustice of enslavement remains embodied in a bound woman. It's all meaningless. But portraying a black slave by no means implies that blacks can be free only if they are first enslaved. To arouse people to act against the wrong, a wise rhetorician portrays that wrong in as heart-wrenching a way as possible. To raise money for hunger relief, Oxfam does not show chubby, smiling children. It shows dull-eyed semi-corpses. Resettlement charities display desperate refugees. The medical school movement white coats for black lives, stages die-ins, in which medical students lie on the ground in sympathy with the black victims of fatal police shootings. Those protesters are not saying that all blacks are dead or that being dead is a necessary component of being black. The exhibit is equally scathing toward other abolitionist works. British porcelain entrepreneur Josiah Wedgwood was a fierce anti-slavery campaigner. His firm created an iconic medallion in the 1780s that depicted a black man kneeling on one knee, shackled hands raised in supplication. The inscription reads, Am I not a man and a brother? The curators of the Met see in the cameo only triumphant white supremacy. A catalog essay by Iris Moon, another woman, an assistant curator in the Met's European Sculpture Department, complains that the paternalistic Wedgwood medallion, paternalistic, that's her word, makes it impossible to picture the liberation of blackness without seeing simultaneous scenes of subjection. Of course. That's exactly right. In order to be anti-slavery, you have to depict a picture or a sculpture 
of a slave. And then say how bad it is, which they did. The charge against Wedgwood is as nonsensical as the charge against Carpo. While liberation from slavery does presuppose that there is something, namely slavery, from which the slave is to be liberated from, it does not presuppose that the slave's natural condition is slavery. This is what goes for sophistication among academics and people in the art world. We'll be back. So we're shooting things down that, uh, that are uh, appearing over our country and the government has no idea what they are or has no desire to tell us what they are. Not, not good. And ju- ju- I just think about what any of these things could do with the ease with which they come over the United States, the, what they could do to the, uh, the electrical grid of this country if they so desired. I do wonder if Donald Trump were president and all of this were happening, whether there would not be more concern shown on the part of the media. But uh, I will be following these stories. Why don't we know anything about them? Why don't we know anything about them, my producer asks. Is it like so hard to... I don't know the answer to that. Nobody does. You don't know because no one does. I don't know because nobody does. Well, maybe somebody does, but the public doesn't. Yeah. So I have a fascinating story for you, reported in a number of places, about a woman who was the victim of a brutal theft in Oakland, California, last Monday. She was killed by the thieves. She was murdered if you will, and I will. And, well, let me read it to you. A California baker who identified as an anarchist and social justice advocate died after she was the victim of a brutal theft. Family and friends don't want the criminals, this is the point of, well, this is not the point. This is the reason I am reading this to you, But the point I will make. Family and friends don't want the criminals who are linked to her death to be prosecuted because that would allegedly go against the woman's values. Jennifer Angel, or Angel, I'll say Angel, Jennifer Angel went to a Wells Fargo bank branch in Oakland on Monday afternoon. A car pulled in front of her vehicle and blocked her from leaving. Angel's fiancé, Ocean Motley, told the San Francisco Chronicle. Did his parents really name him Ocean? A spokesperson with the Oakland Police Department said that around 12.30 p.m., an individual broke into Angel's car while she was in it, and stole an item, then ran back to a waiting vehicle. Angel chased after the thief, 
and got caught in the door of the fleeing car. She was reportedly dragged down the street for more than 50 feet, hitting her head several times. She was rushed to Highland Hospital, where she was put into a medically induced coma. Angel underwent emergency surgery. And part of her skull was removed to to help with severe swelling in her brain. Jennifer died from her injuries sustained in the robbery on Thursday. Doctors confirmed that Angel had lost all brain function. The family and friends of Angel said, quote, We know Jen. What was her first name? Yeah, Jennifer. We know Jen would not want to continue the cycle of harm by bringing state-sanctioned violence to those involved in her death or to other members of Oakland's rich community. As a longtime social movement activist and anarchist, Jen did not believe in state violence, carceral punishment, or incarceration as an effective or just solution to social violence and inequity. What is the difference between social violence and violence? I guess, I don't know what. It's like social justice and justice, but that is very different. What is the difference between social violence and violence? I could give an answer. You can give an answer, but it's not worth it. The statement said that Angel, quote, worked toward an ecologically sustainable society where people are free and equal, unquote. The friends and family proclaimed that the criminals involved in Jennifer's death should not be prosecuted. If the Oakland Police Department does make an arrest in this case, the family is committed to pursuing all available alternatives to traditional prosecution, such as restorative justice. The family and friends said that Jennifer's death should not be used to further inflame narratives of fear, hatred, and vengeance, nor to advance putting public resources into policing, incarceration, or other state violence. That perp- Oh, I guess state violence versus social violence. Maybe that's one of the things. That perpetuates the cycles of violence that resulted in this tragedy. Angel's friend Emily Harris told KGO-TV, We are really trying to orient towards her brilliant life and that actually she is not a person who would support the policing and imprisonment of the people who harmed her feels like absolutely an opportunity to stand in her values and support the world that she wants, Harris said, by actually showing that something different than actual policing and prosecution is possible and is how we can have accountability. End of article. So, my friends, I have asked for much of my life does the left believe what it says? Like, do they believe defunding the police would reduce criminal behavior? 
And the answer is many of them do. They're true believers. So listen to this. The family, your daughter is murdered by despicable scum who murdered her. And if they're not despicable scum, no one is. Okay, let's, let's, let's be clear. Then everybody is morally equal. I guess part of the, but they don't believe that because they believe that white Republicans are, are not good people. Remember, those who are cruel to the kind will be kind to the cruel. That is the motto of the left, even though it doesn't know it. That is the motto of the left. They are cruel to white Christian males who generally are pretty kind people. And they are kind to minority violent criminals. That's how it works. Because their moral compass is completely broken. It is not even right twice a day. It is always wrong. North is always south, and south is always north. But they believe it. And what is my larger point? Leftism is a religion. It's a secular religion. And it is filled with beliefs, with dogmas, that are at least as held as dogma as anything religious people believe. I remember the other story I told you when I came up with this realization about the girl in, I think it was a German girl, young woman, who was gang raped and was gang raped by a bunch of immigrants from the Middle East. But she wouldn't tell the police that she was gang raped by foreigners, not and she was the daughter of an EU official. I'll get you the exact details because it, it was somewhat reported at the time. So this girl, like this woman and her family here in Oakland, this girl in Germany, I believe it was, preferred that the, she said it was a bunch of German guys. She preferred to smear German males and not let the police even pursue her real rapists because of her pro-immigrant position. She didn't want people to think ill of the immigrants from the Middle East. 1-8 Prager 776. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. 
Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay, everybody, Dennis Prager here. So the remarkable thing, isn't it? They don't want the, the, the people who robbed and dragged their daughter along the car, smashing her head and killing her. They don't want them prosecuted. What about the people who are going to be killed, dragged? That's right. It doesn't matter. Because these people are out on That's the street. That's correct. That is correct. They have no responsibility to okay. them? The woman is described by her own family as an anarchist. All leftism is anarchy. It is chaos. It is moral chaos. Some acknowledge it and some don't. The idea that we shouldn't have prisons, shouldn't have prosecution, should let these people out as soon as they're found because bail is not equally apportioned or whatever reason, this invites more death. I'll take the biblical view of this. You shall burn the evil out of your midst. That's why they hate the Bible. Leftism and the Bible, especially the Torah, the, the basis of the whole Bible, the five books, my commentary is on the rational Bible, are in complete odds. They have nothing in common. This is a perfect example. It's quite a story. Yep, quite a story. They will go and hurt more innocent people, thanks to these leftists. That is correct, and it doesn't matter to them. Temecula, California. George, hello. Yeah, how you doing, Dennis? Good. Um, I just got to say that, that lady, uh, her rhetoric about uh, helping them all and not, not any prosecution and stuff, she obviously didn't really believe it because otherwise she would just let them steal, steal her stuff. She wanted to get it back. I know. It, it is, I agree with you. It is an interesting problem, isn't it? Why did she run after them? I guess not to, they would say, I assume, not to punish them, just to retrieve what they stole from her. I think that's what they would answer. Stephen L.A. has the exact same question. Why did she run after them? Yes. And same with John in Gilbertsville, Pennsylvania. You're all asking a good question. So I'm going to let you go because it's the same exact question. Why did she run after them? I think the family would say to retrieve her item, not to have them punished. That's what I think that they would say. Huntington Beach, California. Joe, hello. Good morning, Dennis. Uh, I was just following up because I was anxiously awaiting to hear from you uh, when you broadcast Friday, coming back from your ASU uh, panel discussion. I might have missed it, but I've tried to catch every minute of your Friday show and today, and I... It's been crickets. <laughs> so, well, it hasn't been crickets. I did, I did speak about it, but briefly, because there was nothing dramatic to report. The, uh, uh, for those of you who 
need recollection or do not know. I spoke at Arizona State University last week with Charlie Kirk and two others, and uh, the there were 35 professors who wrote a public letter condemning the university for having Charlie and me speak. And we went, we had a, a, I don't know, the word gigantic is appropriate, very, very large, over 1,200 people, to the best of my knowledge, came. And it was a very successful evening. And there's not much more to report. There were no incidents. There was no violence. There were very few protesters. And my only hope was that the 35 professors heard what I had to say. The whole evening was on happiness and health and wealth. Another hate-filled evening. See? The, the, the pathetic nature of those professors is, aside from their broken moral compass, is their dishonesty. They rely on media matters and other left-wing sites that extract one sentence out of context, and then they base their entire argument for example, that I said, which is absolutely accurate, that it was ridiculous that you can never say the N-word, because it is ridiculous. And it was the context was, if you call a black person that word, it's despicable, of course. But that you could never even say the word you shouldn't call a black person is ridiculous. And it was the result of a caller asking me, can you say the word kike, which is the N-word for a Jew. And I said, of course you can say it. If you call a Jew that, it's evil. If you call a black an N-word, it's evil. But that you can't say what the word is, is ridiculous. So that proves that I'm racist. Get it? That's what 35 professors at Arizona State University wrote, which means they they didn't do a thing but read one line from Media Matters, which is a professional lying organization. That's all it is. Nobody knows about it outside of the left. Most leftists don't know about it. But that's where a lot of these professors, who know nothing about us conservatives or what we stand for, nothing, rely on to get their one sentence to vindicate their attacks. Anyway, I wish they had heard these 35 professors what I had to say about them. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. I was reporting to you about the woman who chased the people who robbed her, got caught in the door, and they dragged her to her death. And the family says, don't prosecute them because we don't believe in imprisonment. But apparently, I wonder if they believe in the imprisonment of people who went into the Capitol on January 6th. be very interested in asking them that question. Remember, those who are cruel to the kind will be kind to the cruel. The motto of the left. As from the National Post in Canada, Catholic school, a student arrested for expressing Catholic beliefs. Josh Alexander charged at his Catholic high school, Catholic high school, for attending class 
after being excluded for indicating his intent to adhere to his religious beliefs. That Canada is becoming less tolerant comes as no surprise, but even so, a Catholic high school getting one of their 16-year-old students arrested is a bit of a shock, especially when the heart of the issue is his religious beliefs. Josh Alexander was arrested. Get this, folks? I want you to understand, arrested. This is coming to America. Canada is just a bit in front of us in creating a police state. As you saw with Justin Trudeau and the truckers and their financial accounts frozen. Josh Alexander was arrested. I gotta keep pointing that out. By police last Monday for breaching an exclusion order. But the real crime that the student is being punished for is upholding his Catholic beliefs and doing so in what would some no doubt think is a defiant and troublesome manner. Josh, a Christian, believes there are only two genders, that people cannot switch genders, and that male students should not use girls' washrooms. But expressing those views in a classroom discussion on gender at St. Joseph's Catholic High School in Renfrew, Ontario, got him suspended. James Kitchen, a lawyer for the Liberty Defense Fund, which is representing Josh, said in a statement that the student was told he could only return to school, quote, if he agreed not to use the dead name of any transgender student and agreed to exclude himself from his two afternoon classes because those classes are attended by two transgender students who disapprove of Josh's religious beliefs, unquote. Josh said he had never deadnamed anyone, that is, referred to their previous name before transitioning. On Monday, when he tried to go to school, the cops were called and he got arrested. I walked into one of my classes, Josh said. I sat down and everyone looked pretty surprised to see me there. Within two minutes, the vice principal was in the classroom asking me to leave. He left the class and, quote, almost immediately I was met with the police. Josh was put in the back of a cruiser, driven off property, and later released and charged with trespassing. According to its website, St. Joseph's works to promote, quote, education within a framework of a Catholic Christian environment. I guess a Catholic Christian environment does not permit the notion that God created the human being male and female. I added that. It's not in the piece. In a statement, the Renfrew County Catholic District School Board, better known as the RCCDSB, I made that up, said it deeply respects religious freedoms. This is fundamental to our values as a Catholic school board. Our mission states, we are an inclusive Catholic learning community. As soon as you know the word inclusive, it's over. Called to love unconditionally and educate hearts and minds in the way of Christ. I told you, unconditional love is a very dangerous idea. No matter how you behave, you're still to receive love. Maybe God does that. I don't believe so, but maybe God does. But are we supposed to? Really? 
By the way, it does say in Psalms that God hates the sinner. Every single translation I looked up from King James to modern say sinner, not sin. I don't know where the notion God hates the sin, not the sinner, ever arose. It's certainly not biblical, Old or New Testament. Well, that's it. The guidelines here, well, I'll conclude with that when we return. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.